Welcome to the Joys of Binge Reading, the show for anyone who ever got to the end of a great book and wanted to read the next instalment. We interview successful series authors and recommend the best in mystery, suspense, historical and romance series, so you'll never be without a book you can't put down. You'll find this episode's show notes, a free ebook, and lots more information at thejoysofbingereading.com. And now, here's our show. Sarah Rossett's High Society Detective series features an impoverished lady, in quotes, Olivia Belgrave, who specialises in solving upper-crust scandals in classic Golden Age style, all set in a fabulous 1920s world of fur coats and fashion, cocktails and country houses. Hi there, I'm your host Jenny Wheeler, and today Sarah talks about how she got started in writing as a military wife, her three other contemporary cosy mystery series, and the famous favourite places that appear in many of her books. But before we hear from Sarah, just a reminder, the show notes for this binge reading episode can be found on the website, thejoysofbingereading.com. That's where you'll find links to Sarah's books and website, as well as details about how to subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss future episodes. And if you like what you hear, please leave us a review so that others will find us too. But now, here's Sarah. Hello there, Sarah, and welcome to the show. It's great to have you with us. Hi there. Thanks for having me. Now, Sarah, was there a once upon a time moment when you decided that you wanted to write fiction? And if so, was there a catalyst for it? I can't remember a single specific thing that sort of set me on this path, but I have always loved reading. I've always loved books. Um, when I was a little kid, going to the library was like my favorite thing to do. And I love mysteries in particular. So um, it's just something I've always loved, always wanted to do, always wanted to write a book. It's interesting. You know, a lot of authors, that is their pathway. They adored books and the library was the place that was their magic place. So it's interesting. There's definitely a pattern there. You've now got a very substantial backlist of contemporary crows, cozies and historical mysteries in several different series. But your most recent book, I think, is book four in the historical series called Murder in Black Tie. You've mentioned that you've always liked mysteries. What do you think attracts you to mysteries? Well, I love the puzzle aspect to them. I'm always intrigued to try and figure out who did it. And I like the um, different settings you get, particularly in cozies, you get to look, uh, a close look at somebody's world. And like with the historical, you get to really delve into the time period and get to know it really well. I like that. And um, I just enjoy the characters mysteries are usually a series and so I enjoy going back to the same characters you know it's kind of like visiting with old friends again when you get to see them again so there's I think mysteries are awesome (laughs) so I like to I love I love to just read as many as I can yeah that's great so Black Tie is the fourth standalone novel so even though it's a series they can be read as individual books quite happily can't they Mm -hmm. yes but the series is called High Society Ladies Detective Series, and it features a young woman called Olive Belgrave, who is a member of the High Society set, but 
is not particularly well off. So she has to also assume some responsibility as a working girl in England in the 1920s. What attracted you to that time period and setting? Well, I, I think it's a very interesting time because there were so many changes going on. There were changes in um, technology, in travel. Um, the roles of women were changing. Entertainment and media was changing. And so I think it's a really interesting time to look at, um, kind of to drop, drop a character in and see kind of what she faces and how things play out in her life with all this change going on. And um, I, I love reading Golden Age mysteries. So I've always liked that time period. So it, the two things blend together really well. And um, I also love the clothes. The clothes are great. Yeah, the clothes are great, aren't they? <laughs> and for, for many women of that period, of Olive's class anyway, the obvious solution was to marry money if you didn't have it yourself. But she's got an independent streak, hasn't she? And she doesn't particularly seem to want to take that pathway, which makes her interesting to write, I guess. Yes. Yes. And she, I mean, uh, so, so far in her world, there hasn't really been anyone that she is would really want to be married to, especially in the early books. She's renewing a friendship with someone she's known for a long time named Jasper, and there may be something there in the future. But for the most part, she is a go-getter and she's independent. And I think she feels that marriage would be settling and she wants to try and make her own way in the world. And that's kind of her goal and focus in the early part of the series. Now, it's interesting that you say about Jasper because certainly you do pick up that feeling that there is the possibility of romance there. It's still rather tentative. But as the author, you don't know yourself yet what's going to happen. How far ahead do you plan the series? Well, this series I planned out a little bit further than I usually do. Usually I only know a couple of books ahead. This one, when I sat down to kind of think about the series, I was thinking of it more episodically, like, because she is a detective, so each book is a case, which I haven't usually had because in a cozy mystery, it's usually an amateur sleuth who becomes involved in a, in a problem and is drawn into a case. And in this series, I hope to get to the point where people will be bringing her problems and she will solve them. So, and I, but I don't want to get too far ahead because I feel like I do better if I focus on just the book I'm working on and maybe the next one and not look too far down the line. Um, I don't want to block myself in. And that gives me a, sort of an open-endedness to it. But I, I have a path, but it's not completely set, if that makes sense. So Jasper and Olive could surprise you as well as everybody else. Possibly, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think she has got to that stage, hasn't she, where people bring her problems because she's become identified as a discrete problem solver for the high society set when they've got something they want looked into but they don't want the police involved. They call in Olive. Yes, yes. That's what I'm, I'm hoping that that's... Um, a good setup and that it will continue. So yeah, the first book was sort of her finding her abilities to do that. And now that she's a couple of books in, people are beginning, the word is beginning to get out and people are coming to her. Great. <laughs> now your other series have all been contemporary. This is the first time 
you've switched to historical. Is that right? Yes. And why did you make that change? Just just to keep it interesting for yourself? Or? Yes. Well, I I do love historical fiction, and um, especially golden age mysteries. And um, I like writing contemporary cozies. But I picked up a book one time. And it was called, I can't remember the author's name, but it was called The Affair of the 39 Cufflinks, I think. And I thought it was a golden age mystery. And so I read it and I was like, oh, this is an undiscovered author for me. I'm going to go back and see what else they've written. It was a man and it was actually a book that was written in the 1970s. And so I was really surprised because it was written, uh, when I read it, I really thought it was from the 1920s and 30s. And so I thought there is a timelessness to writing historical mysteries set in the past that if you do it right your books hopefully have more of a timeless quality to them whereas some of the cozies that I've written I look back now and I think oh no they're so dated because she didn't have she had a flip phone or you know there are certain things that just have changed so much that I wonder if it pulls the reader out of the story more so I I like the uh, writing the historical books because it gives more of a timelessness to the books, I hope. Yes, that's a really interesting point, isn't it? Um, because depending on where you set them, they could they could um, date very quickly. Yes, yes. Mm. But in those contemporary series, you have still had an, an interest or an affection for England because one of them, the Murder on Location series, is a seven-book series set around the theme of death in the English countryside and it seems to me that you've had a great deal of fun in choosing different interesting English settings, castles and all sorts of things. Talk to us a little bit about that. Well that that is a fun series to write and that grew out of my love of England and I, I loved Jane Austen and I read her books and I just thought wouldn't it be interesting, I knew I couldn't write, there's a lot of Jane Austen inspired fiction and I knew I couldn't I would never attempt to try and write a book in the style of Jane Austen but I thought what if I could layer that in somehow to a cozy and so I thought what if I took um, a location scout who's looking for places to film Jane Austen um, adaptations she would have to travel around the countryside of England and look for you know look at these beautiful country homes castles um, some other cities like Bath or London and so it just seemed like there were so many options with that combination and it let me indulge my uh, love of English country homes and countryside so it's I, it's been a really fun series to write. It sounds like a great uh, setup for a book so how many of those have you done? Seven, that's right. Yes, yes. yeah. And that's still going on, is it? You're still writing those? Yes, I've taken a little bit of a break to do the historical, but I do want to go back to it. And do you make a point of visiting all of the locations where you set the books? Yes, yes. So I took a special trip and went to um, Chatsworth House and Bakewell, kind of in that part of England and looked around there, and I visited Bath, and those are all locations as well as – I. I don't have a Death in English Countryside book set in London, but that may happen someday. But I love to visit the places and then write about them. Fantastic, fantastic. And then the other series that you did, or there's two others, but one other one is a six-book international travel mystery series called On the Run, Mm -hmm. where Zoe Hunter has the run of the world. She goes virtually everywhere. (laughs) 
I I suspect traveling might be one of your hobbies or interests, is it? I love to travel, yes. I love it once I'm there. The getting there can sometimes be rough. (laughs) So what inspired Zoe? Uh, Well, my husband's job took us to uh, some different places in Europe, and we were able to live in Italy and Germany and for a couple of, like almost a year and a half. And so while we were there, we did a lot of traveling and it was such an interesting place and such an interesting experience to live in another culture. And, you know, in Italy, it is just completely different from Texas, which is where I live. And so every time I travel somewhere, I want to write about it. So that series grew out of that travel. And then also I, I love like the classic romantic suspense novels of Mary Stewart. And she has a lot of kind of exotic locations and travel. And so that was kind of the two things that came together for that series. And it's just, I love going to a city, visiting it and trying to capture some of that in the novel so that um, people can kind of get an armchair tour of, you know, Italy, Germany, France, somewhere like that. Yeah, I, th- I honestly do think that's one of the reasons people like to read mysteries often is to learn something about the places and the, and the times where they're set as well. They, they kind of like that extra colour information that takes them into a different world, don't they? Yes, it's almost, it's, it's a little bit better than a guidebook, I think. You get the, you get the interesting places, but then you get a, a traveller's perspective of it, which can be really fun. Yeah, and and one question that I often like to ask, because readers, it's a natural thing, is are there places that you'd particularly recommend from having researched them in your books? If we were doing a magical mystery tour, for example, of this series or Death in the the English Countryside, are there places that you'd really recommend readers put on their itinerary? Yes, well... Um, if you're going to England, London is always interesting and there's tons to see and do there. But I particularly enjoyed um, visiting Chatsworth House and Bakewell. That was interesting to see. And there was a very good tour. You could see all the interesting parts of the house and the grounds. It was just beautiful. And I just love that. Um, in Italy, you can't go wrong <laughs> because you can pretty much visit any city. And it, Italy is very um, interesting in that it has... Each region is so different and unique. Um, I really enjoyed Venice and thought that was just so unusual. And um, I also like the Amalfi Coast. Um, it was just beautiful. And, you know, the, the curvy roads were gorgeous and a little frightening. <laughs> but it was just so beautiful. And so I would recommend if you have a chance to go see places like that, definitely do it. Right. Now, your very first series was about an Air Force wife called Ali Avery, who was a professional mover and organiser. Mm-hmm. Uh, was that, that was the first series you wrote, was it? Yes, it was. I suspect that there's quite a bit of Ali in you because I suspect that an author might not take on a highly organised heroine mm-hmm. unless she was also highly organised herself, being someone who isn't particularly well organised. <laughs> <laughs> How, how much of Ellie is reflected in your own personality? I, there's some Ellie in me. She is like me, maybe because that is the first series I wrote, and it was about a military spouse and a mom, and I was both of those things. Um, I I feel that 
I would really like to be much better organized. <laughs> so I've learned a lot about being organized. And, um, you know, a lot of cozies have um, sort of like a little bonus content with them, like a recipe, recipes or knitting patterns or things like that. And I am not crafty at all. And I thought, well, what could I do? And I was interested in organizing and thought it was um, interesting how, you know, people would come in and transform somebody's home or closet or kitchen or pantry. And so I thought there's an interest there and I'm interested in it and I could learn more. So I thought if I could combine that, I could give tips in the books. And so that's how the professional organizing got included in the book. And it also gave Ellie a reason to go meet and interact with other people. If she was working and organizing their closets, then, you know, you see a lot of interesting stuff when you help people clean out. So Sounds great. We do. You, I guess you also moved quite often in those years, did you? Yes, we did. We moved around a lot. And I think that's one reason I like writing about different places is because if you go there as a newcomer, you see things that somebody who's lived there for years may not have noticed. And so every time we moved, I thought, oh, this is an interesting place. and This would make an interesting story. So, yeah, we did a lot of moves and uh, the, the first book in the series is called Moving is Murder, and people always laugh when they hear that title because they say, yes, yes, moving is murder. <laughs> so which of these series are still having new books added to them and which uh, you regard as sort of completed? Well, I feel like the Ellie books are pretty much done. I feel like they're on hiatus. I've learned never to say never, but I feel like, that book that series has 10 books and that's a good long series and I sort of imagine Ellie and her kids and her husband as having a nice quiet time and no murders and no mayhem going on so that one's pretty much done um I'm writing another book in the on the run series and that will probably be the last one in that series and then I will continue to do the um murder and location and the High Society series. So kind of narrowing it down just a bit. Great, great. You also teach an online writing course, I think, don't you, on outlining cozy mysteries, which is really, in, in a way, it's helping people to plot yes. a whole, whole storyline. Um, do you find as much crossover between writers and readers in that course? Do some of your readers say, I'm really a, 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 hope, a, a hopeful writer in disguise? There have been a few people that want to write their own book. Most of my readers are interested in reading the books and not really writing them. They're, they're interested in the process, like what goes into it and the research, but um, only a few I know have gone on to write books. And um, I know one woman, she went on, but she wrote in romance. So, you know, you just, you just never know how it's going to go. But there is interest in writing cozies, but usually it's from people who are already writing or have had a long time dream to be a writer. Yeah, yeah. Turning a little now to your wider career, away from the focus on the individual books, you've mentioned that you were a military mum. Tell us about your life before you started writing fiction and how have, have those experiences fed into your work? Well, I think the moving has always given me a lot of material um, the writing about the military life was something that no one had done that before. And it was very interesting. A lot of people didn't know 
um, a lot of details about that. So I incorporated some of the things and experiences we'd had, like moving to a new place and, you know, different experiences in the squadron and on the base. Um, so that, and what, what was funny about that was I didn't think I had anything to write about because I was looking at all these people that were writing, you know, cooking mysteries and um, maybe their heroine was an archeologist. And I was like, oh, I have nothing to write about. But then um, someone asked me about being a military spouse and they ask all these questions like, how often do you have to move? And, you know, does your husband work out every day and run five miles? And I was like, no, that doesn't happen. But um, so I thought, oh, these people don't know what that life is like. So that is something I could write about. So I kind of used that in um, the first series to kind of get me uh, to kind of help me launch a series because it was something new and different. And I felt like I could kind of give a window into that type of life. So, yeah. And before that, I worked in a um, company that wrote travel brochures. And so I got to write about all these beautiful places and interesting places, but I had never been able to travel. So later when the opportunity came to travel, I was all for it. (laughs) Yeah, I bet you were. (laughs) Look, is there one thing you've done more than any other perhaps that you would credit with your success as an author? Um, Probably just that I'm pretty determined and it takes a long time to write a book. And once I decided I was going to try it, I kept at it until I got it finished. And I would say that just keeping going is a big deal because usually you're by yourself. And when you first start out, you don't have, you know, a support system of other writers or writer friends to help you out. So I would say just that when I decide to do something, I usually do it. And how have you put together that support system? I I haven't checked whether you're actually traditionally or indie published. Are you both or you're mainly trad published? Uh, well, the, the first series, the LA series, was traditionally published. And then I started hearing about indie books and indie writers, and I thought, hmm, I better check this out. So the all my other series are indie published. And um, so as I've become... I've met a lot of writers at writers' conferences. That's that's really a good way to meet people because you can meet in person. Online is great, but when you can meet somebody in person and have a meal with them, you just get to know them a little bit better, I think. So that's kind of how I've established a lot of friendships. And um, I, I do have a lot of friends that are also indie authors, and we um, I have some friends in the area that they're we meet for lunch a couple of times a month, you know, just to kind of catch up and see what's going on, and that's wonderful. Yes, it seems to me that underneath um, the the flow of books, you've had a very clear-sighted career path as well, that you really have approached it as a business. You've got a, a lot of very good structural aspects of your work in place, and you've, you've actually really boned up on that side of things, I think, haven't you? Oh, yes, yes. Once I realized that indie publishing was viable and that I could write what I enjoyed and that it would sell, I thought, you know, I have so many possibilities. So, yes, I'm I, I'm very interested in keeping up with the business and keeping, keeping it going as a business. I love writing, but I also love being able to share the stories with everyone. That's fantastic. And how many books do you try and publish a year? I mean, there is a lot of emphasis on 
rapid release in indie publishing. How how many do you aim to do? Well, I try to do two to three a year. And um, I know lots of people that go a lot faster than that, but I just don't think I can do what I want to and keep up anything a pace faster than that. So I that's what I'm aiming for. Yeah, and you you contract out things like covers and editing and oh yes, so forth. Yes, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. yeah. I if I tried to do my own cover, it could take me weeks just to decide on a font. I'm terrible at stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I can appreciate that. Right, and how do you relax when you're not working? If if it's all home based and you you're your own boss, how do you make sure that you give yourself time off? Well, I'm I, I do love my job so. It is kind of hard to put it aside sometimes, but I do. I love to read and I love historical mysteries and I love to walk and hike. Um, it's pretty flat around here, so we don't really get to do much hiking, but we do walking. And um, I like to go shop for bargains. There's like discount stores around here that have like things that are sec that are like the remainders. Um, I don't know, TJ Maxx or Marshalls or two stores. I love to just go prowl around in and see what bargains I can find. Great, sounds like fun. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Look, turning to Sarah as reader, because this is called The Joys of Binge Reading. Um, What You've mentioned the Golden Age mysteries. Who else do you like to read? And perhaps some of those Golden Age mystery authors. Who is your favourite? Oh, well, I love to read Agatha Christie. You can't go wrong with that. Um, Yeah. Yeah, I enjoy her books. I enjoy Dorothy Sayers. Um, Patricia Wentworth was a new author that I had never heard of. I discovered her books recently. An author that had a big impact on me was Mary Stewart. I mentioned her that, you know, I loved her romantic suspense with the travel and the smart heroines who, you know, get involved in these conspiracies or things that are much bigger than themselves and have to figure out a way to get out of the, to solve the problem or the the mystery. So, um, and I love um, Elizabeth Peters, books um i think her uh vicky bliss series is a lot of fun that's fantastic I'm, I'm not so familiar with patricia wentworth so what sort of thing does she write she has a female detective um uh, miss silver i think and it's um sort of similar to miss marple and uh, it's a it's a long series i think the first one is called the gray mask and um I had never heard of her, and I thought, oh, this is an, a series that a, a new woman's female sleuth series set in the golden age. It's perfect. Sounds fun, yes, yeah. yeah. When you were mentioning about, when we were talking about your your characters surprising you, I, I interviewed a author called Clara Benson a few months back, and she had this funny story that she'd started off writing a series where she made it sound as if it was genuinely set in the 1920s and that it was an, an, an ancient, an old manuscript that had been discovered. And then after she got into the series quite a way, this, this conceit became quite difficult to manage. So <laughs> after a few books, she had to come clean with her readers and tell, <laughs> tell them that the, re- that the author was really her. And some of them thought it was terrific and some of them were rather annoyed. <laughs> That's funny. I read that series and I remember thinking, hmm, I wonder if this is uh, from the Golden Age. It really had the feeling of a Golden Age book. But yeah, yeah, so I and so I thought that was great. I do remember when she 
told her readers that she was alive. And I thought, oh, yay. <laughs> <laughs> you were one of the nice ones. Some of them were actually disappointed she was alive, oh, no. I think. <laughs> well, see, if she's alive, that means more books, <laughs> which is good. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Look, circling around, looking at your career over the, the long haul, if you were doing it all again, is there anything that you would change? Um, it, it would be smart if when I started writing, I tried to write more books, you know, earlier on. But um, I was, that was when I was traditionally published and they just wanted one book a year, usually. And I had little kids at that time. So I think that things have worked out fine the way they are. Um, it would be nice if I had a huge backlog of books that I was just able to publish, you know, slowly over time. But I think it's, I, there's not much I would change. Yes. And do you think that being trad published, particularly at that time and with young children, was actually quite a good introduction? Yes, it was really good. And, you know, I learned a lot about um, just like the process because a lot of indie publishing is is project management. You know, it's like you've got to order the cover and schedule things and just keep it all rolling. And so I didn't have to do a lot of that as a traditionally published author but I was able to see kind of the systems they had set up for this stuff so it was really good yeah that's great so what is next for Sarah the writer and how, how does your next 12 months look at look like give us a little insight into that and I don't suppose you've got any new series on the horizon you've got your hands full no. with what you've got at the moment haven't you <laughs> no I have enough to do <laughs> <laughs> no, um, I will be working on, I have a book four coming out in the High Society series, The Murder in Black Tie. That comes out in October. And I'm finishing up um, the next book in the On the Run series, and that will be called Duplicity. And so that will be out um, next year. And then I'll go back to the High Society series and write another book or two in that. And then back to the you know murder on location series so it's just kind of rotating through and <laughs> trying to keep keep all the series going it must be quite nice to have a bit of a change of location and, and time frame etc yourself you don't you save yourself from getting stuck don't you yes it is nice to be able to switch back and forth and um it's what i learned that i i decided when i did the high society series that i would write two books back to back and not edit them until the second book was finished because I wanted to try like a, a, a rapid release is a big deal right now where people hold back books and release three or four, you know, within six weeks, which I didn't want to do that, but I did want to write two books back to back and then release one. And then maybe three months later, release the other. And that was an interesting writing process because I found things that when I wrote book two, I was like, oh, I need to go back and change this, these couple of details in book one. And it helped me have a longer view of the series. So I enjoyed that. So I may try and do two books at a time. Uh, it'll be longer between releases if I do that. But I did like that writing process. Yeah. And there is also quite a bit of discussion online as to whether rapid release really is that fantastic? It was, some people are now starting to say that perhaps it isn't that fantastic. A, a bit of con conversation about that now. Yeah. 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 It can wear you out, I think. I've never tried to write. Some people are trying to write, you know, 
five, six books and release them over, you know, a couple weeks or months. And, you know, some people can do that and that's great. But I thought I'm, I'm not built to do that. And if I do that, I'd probably go crazy. So <laughs> do you like interacting with your readers and where can they find you online? Yeah, I love to hear from readers. Um, I'm at sarahrosette.com and I'm also on Instagram a lot and Twitter and Facebook and, you know, just all the usual places. How do you avoid having a, a, a sync, time sync? Oh, for the social media? Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I spend most, I honestly spend most of my time on Instagram and, it, you know, my social media time. I, I like that platform because there's, you can look at the pictures and make some comments and interact with comments and then then you can be done. On Facebook and Twitter, I usually just use my notifications. I go in and check and if somebody's commented on something, I'll go reply, but I try and stay off the, the feed that just scrolls forever and ever because that's like an endless time sink. <laughs> well, that's great. Well, look, Sarah, thank you so much for your time. It's been fantastic to talk and I really am in awe of the um, production schedule that you're keeping up and the very business-like way that you're approaching everything. All the best. Black Tie, I've had the pleasure of reading it already, but as you say, it will be out in October. It probably is on pre-order, is it? Yes. So people who want to find Black Tie ahead of time can go and pre-order it on Amazon or, or other or other services, I'm sure. Yes, yes, it's it's everywhere. So Great. Thank you so much and all the best with your writing. All right. Thank you for having me. This was a lot of fun. Thanks for listening to the Joys of Binge Reading podcast. You can find all the details and links for this episode at www.thejoysofbingereading.com. We'd love to hear your comments and suggestions for who you'd like us to interview next. And if you enjoyed the show, take a moment to subscribe on iTunes or a similar provider so you won't miss out on future guests. Thanks for joining us and happy reading. The Joys of Binge Reading podcast is put together with fantastic technical help from Dan Cotton and Abe Raffles. Dan is an experienced sound and video engineer who's ready and available to help you with your next project. Seek him out at dcaudioservices at gmail.com. That's D for Daniel, C for Charlie, services at gmail.com. Or check our show notes. He's fast, he takes pride in getting it right, and he's great to work with. Our voiceovers are done by Abe Raffles, another gem of sound and screen. Abe has 20 years of experience on both sides of the camera slash microphone. As a cameraman director and also as a voice artist and TV presenter. I think you'd agree that his voice is both light-hearted and warm. He is super easy to work with no matter what the job. You'll find him at Abe, A-B-E, at pointandshoot.co.nz. As I say, the full details in the show notes on the website. That's it for now. Thanks for listening. Hopefully see you next week. Bye.